Respected brothers, respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home. Once Egypt had been conquered by the Muslims, the Muslims were now turning their attention to conquer this beautiful continent of Africa. And of course the intention was very Usually you'll find when people or countries fight each other, it's when one country shows aggression to another. But in the case of the Khulafai Rashidin, there was a pure intention and that was only to open the doors of Islam to all of Africa and to invite them towards the worship of one God who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an was very careful he had taken advice from his senior advisors in Madinatul Munawwara the senior companions of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam including Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an who would be close to him at all times and he appointed Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an to conquer North Africa, Egypt, Libya and Tunis. Some part of Tunis was all now under the Islamic Empire. North Africa was very very important. If North Africa could be conquered this would mean that North Africa would be the gateway for the Muslims to penetrate further down into the different sections of Africa. Now when we talk about North Africa, this entire region was under King Jarjir or King Gregory. King Gregory or King Jarjir. The man who was given responsibility to invite Jarjir or Gregory towards Islam was Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala already he was in that part of the region and with 15,000 Mujahideen he had settled close to the borders of Subaytullah Subaytullah is 
the capital city of North Africa. Now this jihad or this jihadi expedition of North Africa is considered to be a very sacred mission and that is why from Medina to Munawwara you had approximately 10,000 Madanis who volunteered to participate in this jihad and that includes the children of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq the children of Umar ibn al-Khattab the children of Hazrat Ali Hazrat Hassan, Hazrat Hussein Hazrat ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala an the Ahl bayt the family members of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam all were participants in this jihad that was to take place in the region of Subaytullah in North Africa Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was waiting for reinforcements to come especially the 10,000 Mujahideen from Medina to Munawwara in the meanwhile just to describe to you who King Jarjir or Gregory was this man was a very powerful man very ruthless and he took great pride in his huge army that he had built huge army this humongous army in fact Muslim historians have said that at that time in Africa no army was greater than the army of Jarjir a strong army of 130,000 and perhaps the only man who had declared had made a complete declaration of independence that no other invaders or occupiers who came with the intention to take some part of his land which, which is from the borders of Egypt until the end of Morocco anybody who came the army was prepared very mobile immediately the army would go and crush the enemies this was the attitude this was the army that he had very strong army very powerful and so when news was given to him that some of the Muslims have camped outside the city of Subaytullah for him it was quite strange and he said, how many Muslims? And some of the people said to him, in the region of 15,000, 20,000. And so he said that, what is their intention? Some of them said, I think the intention is to fight your army, the army of King Jarjir, and to conquer North Africa. And he started to laugh. Now, what's this minuscule army that comes 15,000, 20,000 a little batch uh, of a group as compared to this army of 130,000 and he started laughing and he said you know I just can't understand the Muslims and this is what he said I can't understand the Muslims why do they come have they not taken lesson from the Byzantine army the Romans that were crushed and that nobody comes here and nobody occupies my land it was it was a bit like the, the the afghan attitude nobody can occupy afghanistan and it was the same terrain that nobody comes here no no foreigners can invade this part of the region and so you have a group of 20000 mujahideen muslims with turbans coming here to fight me in my ground in my capital city 
this did not make sense to him however subhanallah with the muslims of course numbers is not the problem the muslims rely entirely upon allah subhanahu wa ta'ala their reliance is on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you had now the mujahideen that came from madinatul munawwara ulama have mentioned the muslims were in the region of 20000 touching 30000 there is a possibility but 25000 to 30000 uh, soldiers were there and as was the practice of the muslim army Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'd radiallahu ta'ala an had appointed someone as his messenger to go and speak to Jarjeer personally and to invite him to Islam. Now this man went to Jarjeer and there was a, a, a man who would interpret everything in Arabic to their native language. And he said that I want to, our Amir who is in Madinatul Munawwara has appointed Abdullah ibn Sa'd and I am the messenger of Abdullah ibn Sa'd and I come to you Aslim Tuslam embrace Islam and peace will be with you testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his final messenger when this declaration was put forward Jarjeer started to laugh rejecting the shahada and he said is this a joke you come to me in my territory in my land and you invite me to your religion and he disrespected the messenger of Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad mocked him and jeering him and said to him you go and tell your leader Abdullah ibn Sa'ad or whatever his name is that his entire army will be crushed and all of you will be killed in one day. All of you will be killed in one day. So think you still have time to go back. But otherwise, my army will make a mincemeat out of you. And, and these are the words. He was so arrogant and so confident that who can come? 25,000 to fight 135,000 soldiers and in my land, in the capital city, just where the borders are, Subaytullah, what a challenge this was from the Muslims. Allahu Akbar. And on top of that, what he said? He said that this is, these are my bodyguards, his personal bodyguards and the soldiers. And he said to them, I make an open announcement. Anyone who assassinates or kills the leader of the Muslims, Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, as a gift, as a reward, I will give my daughter, what's her name, Umar Farooq? Dekha? Larki ka naam yaad hai. Larki ka naam yaad hai. Hamare Umar Farooq sahab. No problem, Umar Farooq sahab. Just pray your wife is not listening, my friend. Mishtaq, you seen this and you be the witness of this, yes? So, Sabiya will be given to anyone who assassinates Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala. Now all of the people there, all of the soldiers now, they were, their attention was only in taking out Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. Well if anybody who marries this beautiful daughter, she was very beautiful, Sabiya, this would mean that that person would be next in line to be the king of North Africa. 
And so now the messenger goes back and tells of the story to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an. And some of the Muslims said that it would be better if full protection is given to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad in case anything was to happen. Because, because of greed you'll find a lot of people wanting to, to take out only Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. This was like a blank check given to these soldiers to marry the daughter of the king. Now Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala who was there, he came, one of the senior advisors in North Africa to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. He said to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad, Hazrat, why don't you do a counter declaration and say that anyone who kills Jarjir, anyone who kills Jarjir, as a gift I personally will make his nikah with that soldier to Sabiya. You, you understand what I'm saying? Now this time the Muslims were also prepared. MashaAllah. Huh? And he said that not only will you get your share of the spoils of war, your booty share, that is there, but an additional share that you will have is Sabiya. And I will personally make your nikah. Whoever takes this challenge to kill Jarjir, and we will make sure that Sabiya gets married to that Mujahid. And now, Allah Akbar, all of the Mujahideen were prepared to take up this challenge. Alhamdulillah, there is nothing wrong with that. Now this information, when it, when it was given to Jarjir, there was some panic in the camp. Because he feared that a lot of the soldiers were just soldiers that were picked up from the streets and were not there willingly to fight for the king. So there was this possibility that someone might want to give information to the Muslims and a possibility that he himself might come forward to kill Jarjir, one man from Subaytullah, from amongst his own citizens. There was this possibility and that they would side with the Muslims later on thereafter. So there was this possibility and this man being a disbeliever feared for his life and so what he did is that he hid himself and he took with, with him his private bodyguards and he hid himself in a private camp somewhere somewhere well outside from the battlefield and in fact nobody even knew the location of that private camp he went with his family Sabiya and everyone was there and a group of his trustworthy bodyguards were the only people that were close to him and it was the bodyguards that would inform uh, Jarjir of everything that would happen in the battlefield when the battle starts and he would give the orders from the private camp and there would be messengers coming uh, in the main section of the battleground and returning back to the camp but nobody knew of where Jarjir was and this was because of the fear of his life and also he needed to give protection to his daughter Sabiya. Now subhanallah lazim, without any indication, Jarjir gave an order to attack the Muslim army. This was something very unconventional also in that time. Usually what would happen when the two armies would meet, all of them were very brave and courageous. What would happen is that both the armies would have a man that would signal that very soon the battle will commence. Very soon the battle will commence. That was uh, the method in those days. 
But all of a sudden, the Muslims were not prepared. And he gave orders that start the attack and attack the Muslim army. So the first attack that was launched by uh, the army of Jarjir was very fatal. It, it actually pushed the, the front section of the, the, the Muslim army. But subhanallah, the Muslims were also prepared. And the yaqeen and faith was entirely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This fight, this jihad, the battle of North Africa, the battle in Subaytullah, was a very important jihad for the Muslims. If they were to lose, that would mean all their effort would go in vain. Everything they had done. And now to take on this, this strong, huge army of 130,000, the first strategy Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an had applied was to make sure that there was enough space in the rear section at the back in case the Muslims wanted to retreat or go back there was enough space for the army to maneuver without any difficulty the reason was he did not want the Muslim army to be surrounded by the army of Jarjir and this was quite possible because of 25,000 soldiers with 130,000 soldiers and they were spilling from every direction it was very very difficult to control everything in the battlefield mm -hmm. and the second strategy that was adopted by Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was that some of his advisors said to him make sure that we have a group of mujahideen who don't fight from the beginning but stay as reserves so that they have the strength, the energy to fight at the time of Zuhr. Now what would happen, this battle started in the early hours of the morning. And the Kuffar knew that Muslims even in the battlefield pray five times a day. Five times a day. So even in the battlefield you, you would have Musa by giving azan. Even in the battlefield, azan would be given. Subhanallah. And generally what was the attitude, even in Arabia, that whenever the azan is given, the Muslims would rest and perform their salah. And it was a cutting off period, even the kuffar would rest. This was, an op this was time and, and respite that was given and they would rest. Subhanallah. But the plan this time was quite different. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad said, we will give them no time to rest. And the plan was, that the first batch in the front that are fighting the army of Jarjiz, they continue fighting until Zuhr Salah. Until Zuhr Salah. When the azan of Zuhr is given, and the azan is completed, immediately you would have the reserves. The, the Muslim cavalry going in the front and launching a fresh attack at the enemy. And to do this in different intervals of Salah. So this was the strategy that was adopted by the Muslims. Alhamdulillah, imagine my respected brothers, with only 25,000 or 30,000 to take on 130,000 strong army of Jarjir. And they did this for many days. Many days in the battle. Until Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala an could see in the battlefield 
that it was just too much for the Muslims. They were just too many, too many. And in fact, the numbers were increasing. Not just the, the soldiers that were there, but even those, the, the, the youth of Subaytullah were forced to fight and participate in this battle against the Muslims. So the numbers were increasing. And so you had this uh, powerful thrust that was pushing the Muslims backwards and they could not do anything. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala on what he decided and he had to quickly come up with a plan. The Muslims had to come up with some plan. Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala an thought of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. <laughs> Who did he think of? Hazrat Khalid bin Walid. And subhanallah a man who was expert in the battlefield, numbers was not a problem for him. And the strategy of Hazrat Khalid bin Walid was always in the beginning when fighting the non-Muslims, he would make sure that in the early stage of the fight of the battle, to kill the head of the army. What was the strategy? To quickly get rid of the head of the army, be it their main military commander or the king or any ruler that was there. And Hazrat Khalid bin Walid knew once their commander or leader was killed, eventually what would happen is that they would lose morale to fight the Muslims and they would surrender very quickly. This was the attitude of the kuffar. Why? Because they were not fighting for Allah. They were not fighting for Allah. There was a lot of ikhlas and sincerity with the Muslims because they were not fighting for the Uthman bin Affan. They were not fighting for Umar ibn al-Khattab or Abdullah ibn Sa'ad. They were fighting for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the attitude in both the camps was very different. And so he remembered Hazrat Khalid bin Walid and he thought the quickest way now, otherwise it would be too late, was to kill Jarjeer. But where is Jarjeer? The question is, where do you find King Gregory? Allahu but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was very merciful with the believers because of their sincerity. A man was tipped off and information was given to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala an of the exact location where King Jarjeer was and his private camp. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair spoke with Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad and he said, I need with me just a few Mujahideen that would cover me, that would cover my back when I go into that private tent of Jarjeer, of his camp. And so, Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an provided all the soldiers for Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair. And there was this man personally who showed the shortest route to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair and where Jarjeer was. Nothing is difficult my respected brothers. Everything happens by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They found Saddam Hussein, but the world is still looking for Usama bin Laden. They found Saddam Hussein, but the world is still looking for Usama bin Laden. Subhanallah. And this is the world that we live in. And Jarjeer was hiding. But somebody gave information. And the Muslims, say, the Muslims had given that individual a lot of money. You tell us and we will make you the king. We will give you everything that you want. And so he said, that is fine. I'll take you where Jarjir is. 
and he took Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair in this mountainous region somewhere and where Jarjeer felt very safe, his private camp and his trustworthy soldiers and bodyguards, many. Some of them were outside and some of them were inside. And then Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair said, now you can go. That is enough, that is all I need. And so Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair was monitoring everything, what was happening. And he said to the group of the Mujahideen that were with him, and he said to them, I will first go and attack the bodyguards that are outside. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me victory, only then I will enter the tent, and then I want you to enter the tent with me, because I don't know how many uh, soldiers or bodyguards uh, are inside. And so this was the plan. Subhanallah, immediately Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair came in front of the bodyguards and he started fighting them. And subhanallah, he killed all of them. And then he entered into the tent and the Mujahideen also followed him inside. And even inside you had many, many bodyguards. And the Muslims were now fighting the bodyguards. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala quickly went in front of Jarjeer. Jarjeer was shocked to see Muslims here in his private camp. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair took out his sword, Allahu Akbar, and at the first opportunity cut off the head of Jarjeer. What did he do? Cut the head off. Hellay head. Her head. Cut the head off of Jarjeer. Allahu Akbar. All of the bodyguards were killed. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair picked up the head of Jarjeer, he had a spear, and he pierced that, the, 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 the spear into the head. And he took the spear, and he went to the, the battlefield, and he showed the head of Jarjeer to the army of Jarjeer. And the army of Jarjeer could not believe their eyes. That this is our king Jarjeer, the head is cut off, decapitated, killed. And Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair was shouting that your king is dead and if you want to die, all of you, then fight the Muslims. Otherwise, we are giving you an opportunity, a chance to surrender. A chance to surrender. When they saw their king in this manner, Allahu Akbar, what had happened? They lost the courage to fight. And they were retreating. All of them were running in different directions. And subhanallah al-azim, by Maghrib, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given victory to the Muslims. 25,000 mujahideen had taken on how many? 130,000. Allahu Akbar. This was Nusrat. This was the madad, the aid that came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us examples even today, my respected brothers. The Mujahideen of Afghanistan taking on Russia, superpower of the time, and they were defeated. Uh, the people of Badr, 313, Sahabai Kiram Ajmain, they lost. And so if you have sincerity and ikhlas, Allahu Akbar Kabira, everything is for you, my respected brothers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you victory. And when this news was given to Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an, it is said that all the people in Madinatul Munawwara read two rakats of salah to shukr. This battle was a very important battle for the Muslims. 
North Africa was now conquered, it came and was annexed with the Islamic Empire and Sabiya was also given to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala an for his bravery and uh, the heroic acts that he had carried out uh, in killing Jarjir. And so this was the end of the battle of Subaytullah. Muslims were given victory. Now when the Byzantine army had heard that Jarjir was killed, Muslims have conquered North Africa, Subaytullah, the capital city, is now in the hands of the Muslims. The son of Hirakal, Constantine, was outraged. And he did not want the Muslims to conquer other parts of Africa. He wanted to put an immediate stop to this. So what he did is that he came with a thousand warships towards the Mediterranean coast with the intention to take back Alexandria and the other coastal cities that were uh, in the hands of the Muslims. So he came with 1,000 warships to fight the Muslims. And all of the ships were anchored in the Mediterranean coast. Now the Muslims were in North Africa, in that part of the region. And so he comes from the other side towards the Mediterranean coast. And he is threatening to uh, fight the Muslims and also to capture the cities that were already in the hands of the Muslims. When this news is given to Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an, subhanallah, there is no rest for the Mujahideen. He sends a message to Hazrat Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala an to make sure that the coastal region, this entire coastal region and Alexandria is at all times in the full control of the Muslims. And so Hazrat Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala an called Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad and gave him another mission to move out of Subaytullah and go towards the Mediterranean coast. And the Muslims at that time only had 200 warships. How many? 200 warships. 200 warships against how many? 1,000 warships. And Allahu Akbar... Constantine was very clever. He wanted to fight the Muslims in the sea. He knew that Muslims were very strong when it comes to fighting in the land. But he had sensed that there was some weaknesses with the Muslim army when it came to fighting in the sea. And so he had anchored a thousand warships in the Mediterranean coast and he was inviting the Muslims to fight the army in the sea. So by the time 200 Muslim warships got to the Mediterranean coast and was now also anchored in line of the Byzantine warships, it was Isha time. And Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an and all of the Muslims were there. And first of all, Hazrat Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an said to all of the Muslims that were there, I want you to first read your Salah Isha and after Isha engage in the zikr of Allah and perform your Salatul Tahajjud. Muslim historians have written that every Mujahid was doing the zikr of Allah or reciting the Quran or was engaged in Tahajjud Salah 
and it was like the buzzing of bees it was like the buzzing of bees when this sound was heard by the Byzantines what they did in return they started ringing their bells that were in their ships they were starting they started to ring the bells in order to disturb the Muslims from reciting the Quran or engaging in zikr or performing their tahajjud salah so in the night throughout the night there was only this noise the Muslims were doing dua and the kuffar were ringing the bells when it was time for fajr Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an was the imam Constantine was in a rush to quickly fight the Muslims in the sea but namaz was completed and the shura, the senior advisors that were sitting of course the Muslims preferred to fight the enemies in, in land, in dry land to fight them in the land rather than in the sea but this was very very difficult it was as if the kuffar wanted the Muslims to fight them in the sea and this was their plan but the Mujahideen were so confident and they said that inshallah ta'ala Allah has given us victory in Subaytullah we defeated an army we crushed the army and inshallah ta'ala we will even defeat them in the sea and they knew that the Nusrat the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with them at all times but after taking advice from all of the companions subhanallah they came with this brilliant plan brilliant plan and the plan was that the Muslims were to fight the enemies in the sea but the battle would the fight would be arranged in such a manner that as if the fighting is in one piece of land in one piece of land and what the plan was Abdullah ibn Sa'ad radiallahu ta'ala an said that I want all of the Muslim warships to get close to the warships of the enemies so close that the Muslim warship is touching the enemy's warship and so slowly steering the ships in the direction of the enemy slowly taking the ships close by and then in each of them each of the ships you had expert swimmers with thick ropes what they had in mind was that they would tie the Muslim warship with the enemy's ship so that in, in any case, in any circumstance uh, the Muslim warship would not be detached from the enemy's warship and so it would be easy for the Muslims to fight on the deck of the ship though they are fighting in the sea and so each of the Muslim ships were actually connected with the enemy ships and you had expert swimmers that were tying the ropes with the enemy ships and they did not even know and subhanallah it became very very easy for the Muslims it was like as if the Mujahideen could even jump from one, one ship to another ship and that is how the, the battle started subhanallah so it was a battle in the sea but a battle that was arranged in such a way that everything was to be fought in the deck of the ship subhanallah scholars have mentioned that this was the bloodiest battle even more than what had happened in uh, Subaytullah in fact the Byzantine historians have said that this was the worst nightmare for the Byzantine army 
they, they say that this was second Yarmouk for the Kuffar. What do they say? The punishment they, they received in the battle of Yarmouk during the Khilafat of Hazrat Umar ibn al-Khattab. That this was second Yarmouk for the Byzantine army. In fact, the great Muslim historian uh, Imam al-Tabari says it was as if the warships were floating in blood, not water. And you had bodies that were floating. Many, many, countless kuffar were killed, but at the same time, many of the Muslims were also given shahadat. But at the end, subhanallah, the Muslims were very, very steadfast. And even with 1,000 warships of the Byzantine army, subhanallah, victory was with the Muslims. And when Constantine could see with his own eyes that the Muslims were sinking all of their ships one by one, he made a runner in a small ship. He went towards Sicily. And when he got to Sicily, the people of Sicily, he thought that they would receive him and, receive him and honor him. They asked him what had happened. And he said that the Muslims have defeated my army. And they got very angry. And the people of Sicily killed him there. He thought that he'll be given some refuge here. But they killed him and they said that you have opened the doors for the Muslims to invade us also. And they killed him in anger. And so this was the end of Constantine. All the ships were now in the full control of the Muslims. The Mediterranean coast which was once known as the Roman Lake was given a new name, the Islamic Lake. A new name was given, the Islamic Lake. And it was completely under the full control of the Muslims. And because of that, subhanallah, this complete new science of astronomy uh, had, had been opened to the people, especially for the purpose of navigation. And Muslim Navy became masters of the sea at that time. And that is why all the inventions, the astrolabe was also invented at that time, which was also used by Christopher Columbus. And subhanallah, my respected brothers, these were two main battles that were fought during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala. One was uh, in Subaytullah in North Africa, and one was in the region of the Mediterranean coast. And at both times, victory was given to the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq that we practice upon what has been said. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us taqwa and that we depart from this dunya in the state of iman wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana muhammadin nabil ummi wa ala alihi wa sallim taslima Allahumma taqabbal minna wa tub alayna inna kanta tawabu rahim nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk sami'ina wa ata'ana gufranaka rabbana wa ilayka al-masir birahmatika ya arhamal rahimin